you're listening to Requires Improvement, a podcast that aims to critically discuss all aspects of the current UK education system from an unashamedly leveling perspective. With the support of listeners and members, we're here to find out what is going well and what really requires improvement. Welcome to the holidays, folks. Um, Finally. Fucking hell. Uh, well done to everyone for just making it this far. Um, you know, I think we've got uh, a discussion f- today that's going to touch on things that are going well, things that make life worth living. Um, but yeah, we've had to contend with uh, a pretty, pretty bleak period and we appear to be heading into one. So uh, without further ado, just to nail it onto the specifics, because we could fucking piss and moan until... <laughs> The, the, the cows come home. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand over to my. Oh, I, I should probably let everyone say hi. Uh, this episode, we're joined by Nick. Uh, hi, I just want to say, well done if you're listening to this. An education about, uh, sorry, a podcast about how shit education is in your holiday. Fucking fair play to you for doing that. Because wow. And we're joined by Charlie. Hey, yeah. And we're joined by dear Lauren. Hello. Yeah, I think I agree with exactly what Nick said. Um, um, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> uh, and we're, we're thriving, thriving in, ad, in, in, in adversity. And uh, in that spirit, Lauren, I'm going to invite you to take us uh, on our first uh, requires improvement topic. Uh, I understand you want to talk a little bit about the issues we've had staffing our schools. Yeah. Um, when you say staffing them, you mean not staffing them, don't you? or just making the current staff that are working there do the job of two, sometimes three people. Because, you know, why the fuck not? Like, why not just, you know, squeeze every last drop out of everyone that's just gone through two years of the most ridiculous shit you can ever imagine in a school and then just go, well, you know what? It's like back to normal now. We can take the hand sanitizer off the wall and we can pretend COVID doesn't exist. Do and- they do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I know, like, honestly, I, 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 honestly, seriously, that is, I, I wish that was the sort of, um, the worst thing that I can think of that's happened this term, but alas, it literally... That's mad, registers. is that just yeah, they yeah. to fill it? Oh, yeah, I mean, no, they just, like, decided, they literally decided that, oh, it's the new year now, it's September, so none of it exists anymore and we're going to get ahead and let's go back to normal and it's wow. all going to be normal. Like, nothing happened and... Stop washing your hands, kids, stop it. Having <laughs> like, been to a few schools, I would say that my experience of them is that generally the hand sanitizer stayed on the walls um, in terms of the mechanics itself, but they didn't get... Um, filled up as much in certain schools so you'd go somewhere and you'd try and fill up the hand sanitizer because you wanted your hands to feel more clean and then you end up pumping it nothing comes out and you're just like well the last person who touched that nothing came out for them so their dirty hands is now on my dirty hands now i'm more conscious of how my hands are dirtier than they were when i first went into this <laughs> that was someone that was trying to be clean. <laughs> yeah it's a subset of the population obviously but um uh, yeah that was like one thing that you went into a new school you're like looking at the hand sanitizer being like is that going to make my hands cleaner or dirtier? Let's find out. And um, there you go. That's why you got to press it with your forehead, isn't it? <laughs> Get it oh, directly into your yeah. eye. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so that is, anyway, I mean, that is just the, the sort of mild, uh, thin end of the wedge of what's essentially been going on. Um, uh, just that aside, so, you know, obviously it got progressively worse as September became, you know, November, December, etc. And, yeah, and it said, like, we've had, I mean, I know that staff have just been off. There's a supply teacher crisis. Like, you cannot get supply teachers. Um, I know a member of our union had a comment made to them that was uh, along the lines of, well, um, even SLT are being called to do emergency cover and... I mean, the the, the the litany of things that's wrong with that statement, I can't even describe because the amount it costs a school to to put supply teachers on is astronomical. And that is due to obviously agency, um, well, just, you know, absolute shafting of the education system. But, um, you know, that that is just one aspect. So we've absolutely had a lack of staff. Um, so everyone that's left on the ground is doing the job of two or three people. But you were still getting learning walked. Yeah, SRT. yeah, yeah, ex- absolutely. And, that you know, to bring my next point, it's not like we were sort of <laughs> doing that in a nurturing and understanding environment that basically kind of was like, yeah, we know you've been through a rough time and we know that things are bad and here you go. Like, let's, I mean, occasionally, like, you know, I think give some kind of sweets or something to staff or like some chocolates or, and it's like, that's not what I need. I need time. I need time 
time to do my job. I need you to get off my back. I need not the ridiculous, insane level of scrutiny because I, 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 kids are in and out. It's like it's going, you know, doing the hokey again. It's like I can see where this is going. I've been here before. Um, and when you've been there before, you you just get this automatic kind of anxiety because you're like, oh, here we go. And, you know, mentally preparing for what you assume is coming next. Um, and that's what we've been doing. And the kids have been doing that as well. And that's the thing that that's completely been missed, I think, in a lot of these discussions is that actually the kids are now going through this again. And, you know, I've got year 11s who are like, oh, my God, like all of your term is corrupted. I'm sitting here, you know, who knows what's happening exam wise. And they're all confused and they're all scared and they're like, we don't know what's happening. And even if, you know, any two week lockdown is going to be quite, I think, a big thing for them to deal with because, it, you know, Again, it's just sort of a repeat of the year before. And I think that's a, that's where we're at at the moment. Um, what, what have you seen in terms of when the school can't get enough teachers and enough supply? What methods have you, um, or anyone in the room, have you seen to try and deal with that, like lumping classes together? And um, Weirdly, we haven't had a lot of that, actually, um, in my particular workplace. But what we have had is a lot of emergency cover, also whilst, um, you know, mock exams are having to be marked and... And yeah. the unit assessments having to be marked and, you know, you're getting a, a, a sort of a visit from the multi-academy trust to assess the, you know, how good your school is, et cetera, like a mock set, essentially. Um, and you have all these things that are still happening without any regard for the fact that, like, we have, you know, the attendance is not good, you know, across, <laughs> I think, a lot of, I mean, that's that's just schools in Bristol in general. I think attendance is absolutely shot to I, I mean, I just, I've just stopped, uh, I just don't. As a tutor, you have certain responsibilities around attendance. Uh, I just don't do them. I just don't talk. I just don't talk <laughs> about them. Um, I just don't hammer the kids on it because, like, why? What's, what's the point? I'll, I'll get onto that in my bit, but yeah, just uh, I just can't bother with it. I'm waiting for someone to pull me <laughs> up on it, and I'll be like, "All right, I'm not going to do." It. <laughs> I mean, just to just to clarify, Nick, you are taking your registered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, re- register is a bourgeois institution. <laughs> Why, why should people with like who have you know like their surname that begins with an A? Why should they uh, take priority in that? I I am um, I do just want to say so, like I mean I could talk about the list of things that have gone wrong because it has just been you know quite trying, but I do just actually want to say to every person that has done it and you know fair play to you and like whatever you do just try and fucking relax for at least a few days like seriously like everyone just you know well done because it's been very very tough yeah i mean i think the commonality is that the 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 system feels like it's been in a protracted period of crisis and you've just got compounding layers of yeah student absence um student illness trauma to families trauma to staff um and yeah uh, funnily enough uh, i i think the fact that we can't get any temporary workers is a sign of the undesirability of the sector you know and on the and the, the fucking out and out danger of the sector as well you know the dangers to your health um was charlie was it you who wanted to pick up on this issue of uh, the DfE appealing to retired teachers? Oh, yeah, I think we've all got our own thoughts on it. Um, I mean, retired teachers obviously is a specific one because that means that they're, you know, old enough that they've actually, you know, been through the system. You might retire from teaching, but they still do other things. But the idea that you actually retired implies that you did it for long enough. Um, yeah, these people are a bit older, these people who... Was retired and former. Yeah, I think that... But I think it's worth thinking about them separately because... Yeah. Um, yeah, retired teachers, obviously, that means that they've either left and they don't work or they've actually got another career. So, well, they've got another career, rule them out because, like, why are they coming back? Like, no questions asked. Something else is obviously better going on for them. Retired, like, you know, that means that they're either financially well enough that they don't need to work too much or they mm. p- might be health-wise. They need to um, stay away from teaching. It's just, it's, it's not going to happen, but it's like... But it's just sort of insulting, I think, to like pull on the heartstrings anyway to suggest that because actually these are the people who probably would not all of them, but the people who would do it are just like I don't know, I just I I know I don't think anyone should manipulate them into trying it, to be honest. Because they, 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 would, don't, they, they would don't do, know how bad it's gone. And they would do one day yeah. and be like, No. Like we've got a comrade, do you know what I'm talking about, who who like a very experienced maths teacher wanted to get back into teaching and just just to give it a go sort of mm. thing. Uh, you know, keep her all in 
and um, at, right at the start of the pandemic, signed up with an agency, went in, did like one day, and was like, no, no, <laughs> like you know, t- like de- yeah. you de signed up with all the spiders and just haven't yeah. even thought about it since. So like, anyone that they do manage to coax in, that's I regularly but, yeah. have to deal with like traumatized supply teachers. <laughs> That, that's become just part of my daily work in life. To be, I, I genuinely, like, I will always at least once a day have to, not have to, want to, obviously, like, help out a supply teacher's bit like, what the fuck? Who's that? Okay, um, that is so-and-so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but think, former teachers. Think your former teachers, people who, you know, they sort of shift their career, maybe not, like too drastically but they're definitely not actually um active um teachers anymore they might be under the age of 35 um but that doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not putting yourself at quite significant greater risk to go from like whatever your usual workplace is then teaching you know a different school every day and for what that we know why they left we know what they know where they left we all know why they yeah. left. And it's worse than when they left. It is basically worse than every single establishment you ever come across is worse at the point before the pandemic to now. They're yeah. the ones that yeah. left during the pandemic. Uh, and who can blame them? Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, there's this need upon the part of some, and I would say a minority, uh, and there's an overlapping Venn diagram with senior management here, this desire to get back to what feels normal or what was possible pre-pandemic has actually meant really a softening of so many mitigations. And and it's just been brewing in schools, even with the impact of the vaccine. You know, some some secondary school kids have been given a vaccine, but it came so late, it started arriving properly in the middle of term two. So we've had, you know, a, a three-month period of, of schools just being centres of outbreaks, you know? And it... <laughs> And I mean, some I, schools in Bristol have had really low uptake of the vaccine as well, like when it was offered. Um, well, it's weird because, I mean, my... It's fine, I know it's been a hellscape in most places, and my school still is not... It's not without its problems, but comparatively, we were kind of OK. I mean, that school's, like, less deprived, so I think a lot of parents just took the kids to get the vaccine the second they could. Then we had the vaccine rollout uh, in the school, just after that and just before like cases started like the cases have always been going up but like before they kind of rocketed up um i did a kind of like straw poll with my tutor group and they mostly pretty much all of them had had a vaccine they were, they were going to get that so we haven't been in the same kind of chaos there's, there's been like bad it's still supply has been like every week worse than it ever has been normally but we haven't struggled we haven't had to do the co- kind of combined two classes and i've only done like one session of cover i think i think the cover supervisor likes me so i don't get picked back because i'm a rep mm-hmm. I just, they're, Always just, they're just sort of nice yeah people supervisor. are kind of nice reps and things um but then i was off for like a whole week which i couldn't know when that's happened i've got a colleague who was off uh for a whole week but she got coronavirus and um she's never had that many days off work in her entire like 14 year career and stuff because she's just like that so you've got yeah pe- people ducking out just kind of that kind of cares but it's that combination of safety mitigations going, but also like yeah, man- as I say, like management mentally going back to normal because of all the pressures yeah. of workload offset. But then we've had because off- the people try and run school remotely. Like essentially, the <clears throat> mats are trying to run a school remotely. Like they're never there, and they're trying to dictate. And and they have not. I mean, I've barely seen the people that run our mat like ever. And I think that's part of the problem as well, is that when you're not seeing the problems on the ground, you absolutely can But they I mean they'd see the problems and they're like, well we just have to we just have to prioritise getting this thing in the lead tables or we just have to do this. Yeah, but also having no care. understanding of the fact that their policies are absolutely almost having the absolute opposite effect of what they're trying I mean, is to do. Yeah, but is it they don't understand they just don't care. I think they I think <clears> they're, no, they don't give a I shit. think they're well aware but they just don't if they, if they cared about any of that stuff, they wouldn't be doing the job they do. I, I, th- I think materially we are at the point where uh, the forces of, of the structure of society and the impact of this virus are the thing that is calling the shots over ideology. And it comes down to money and it comes down to how many bodies have you got willing to uh, b- be a part of the education system. It's, um... but it's also where those bodies are as well, largely. Yeah. as well. There are so many schools that have top-heavy senior leadership teams 
and the amount of money and resources that start diverted upwards towards that, as well as having your executives and, and the sort of the you know the salaries that that are, have to be paid, well, not have to be, are paid there. Um, that that leaves very little, and and you know schools, are, you know, have been since you know the last 10, 12 years, just been constantly stripped back and back, and now you're at the point where. It, it, there's nothing that there is literally nothing left. The um, it's, like it's, to strip that you can't do without anyone. It's, at in, all. it's interesting the CEO pay thing because their pay goes up regularly, like ours doesn't. Yeah. But like a one percent increase for them is like huge because they're on like telephone number salaries. <laughs> and um, it's funny because like that's one thing that gets my union members like whatsapp really going people like the maths teachers are chipping in there with the percentages there's other people like searching up the kind of public policy documents going through the governor's notes and like popping these things on whatsapp and people getting like really angry about the the ceo um ceo's pay and like um it's great every time we have a union meeting or a mat wide meeting one of the questions on the agenda is who works for the mat at a mat level and how much are they paid? And every time they give a similar kind of fob off answer, it's like, well, we all work for the mat, don't we, actually? You know, every cleaner. Do you want to know every cleaner's pay? It's like, you know what we mean, mate? You yeah. know what we mean? And they get fobbed off every time. Every time. Oh, what? The finance guy, he doesn't work in a school. He's not a teacher. Do you want to know how much they're paid? Yeah, yeah all right. Actually all right. Yeah. Go on. Give me, give me. There's thousands Thank of people. You. Yeah, go on. All of it. Start it with yours because that's the most. And yeah. then we'll have a look. And then we'll work our way down, that. shall we? Yeah. And we, we're, we're going to, yeah, we have Zeke to keep still be that. asked to talk about the cleaner's pay at the very end, like half an hour later. It's really, so I mean, still actually doing Yeah. This. So, I mean, there's sort of resources there. Um, but like I say, like, it is dooming and glooming in a lot of ways, and it is really hard. But I would say that I have had a better term than I had for the whole of last year. Every single day last year, I yeah. came into school and was like, I don't want to be here. This is terrible. I just felt miserable. I was like eating lunch on my own every day, which to be fair, I still am. But, uh, <laughs> but like really hating every single second of it. And this is just felt a bit more normal. I appreciate my, my school's a weird case, but we got Ofsteaded and it didn't touch us. Again, this is like, but I think that's wow. worth, well, they came in and they just saw like maths and art and English. So basically everyone that wasn't getting seen, um, was just helping do duties for those other people on break time, and that, and that was it. I didn't do anything. Ofsted, we heard Ofsted were coming, and I checked my books, and for the first time in my career, they've been marked according <laughs> to... Because we knew we were well overdue at Ofsted. So the first time in my career, my books have been up to date. I checked the books, as I, I'm, wow. I've got six lessons, and I, I'd, I'd marked them five lessons ago. So I just went home, did no planning, did no did no work, came the next day, knew they weren't going to see me, and if they did, I didn't care. And then um, I was off the the day after. So and we presume that we we've stayed the same. Good thing. Now again, that's that's an unfairness. I would say, like um, mm. you know, we were lucky in that we just happened to have a vaccine rollout. We were lucky in that we're privileged. It's not luck. It's, we just are privileged that. Um, there's just more stuff more stuff in a row but i mean if we'd been offsetted a few years ago uh we'd have failed because yeah. it was just like that and, and there's other schools yeah if, you, if you'd had offsted called when you were like yeah having to combine classes in the in the hall you know put the whole year group in the hall and teach a science lesson because like oh well, the cases are so high um we don't have enough teachers like that just would have been so unfair like it's just not a legitimate system no. like anyone trying to defend offsted in any way it is stupid. But I think that what you've got is that some teachers don't have a bad... It's not like everyone loves Ofsted, but I think some teachers will, will have Ofsted and be like, oh, well, you know... And if they give you a good grade, you're going to feel like, oh, yeah, we're good at stuff. So you can see why people wouldn't be against it, because they're like, oh, well, it's given us a, a, t a nice shiny tick and we feel good about ourselves. There um, was a, a, a news report that I read recently <clears throat> about how Ofsted... Uh, certain head teachers actually were complaining about how Ofsted were completely disregarding COVID, like going in, just pretending and, and almost saying to him, you're not allowed to use it in excuse. Like you, we're not accepting like COVID related things, like what you do, you know, and it's the fact that, you know, even head teachers, are, I think it was, I read it in the Guardian, um, reporting to a national newspaper and, and some of them were named, you know, just being like, they're literally coming in, like being awful, pretending it hasn't happened, being really cold, being really harsh. Um, and, you know, things like discipline being thrown around a lot and 
Well, Ofsted, Ofsted did the thing, didn't they? They said, we're not going to inspect any schools in the last week of term. And firstly, why the fuck would you inspect a school in the last week of term? Yeah. It's like, a, you know, it's like two, it's the longest term up to Christmas. Ofsted, in a pandemic, they were planning, and then like the week before they were like, oh, it's okay, we'll, we'll, we'll as a Christmas treat, we'll have a Christmas Aww, truce. Thanks, we'll stop machine gunning each other in the face and we won't come in. We'll get you the first week back in January, though. That would be, yeah. yeah. Happy be New Year. Yeah, yeah really, I mean, it's, really it's weird. one of the few things they've actually put decent funding on the table for. They got an extra 25 million. I, fuck knows what their actual annual budget is, but um, these guys could run two and, you know, two and a half reasonable sized secondary schools on that money. <laughs> yeah. All year round. But uh, here they are. Um, I, I mean, what do they expect to see? I've, I've made this point before, but they if they come into a lot of schools, especially the longer it went on, but you know, by by the time the Christmas holidays were here, you've got year groups. Well, certainly, and I I've, I know of schools where you've uh, they've had to send uh, year groups home because there's an unsafe staff to student ratio. And we're talking large secondary schools. It's happening at primary as well. You know, um, not great conditions for supply teachers. Not great conditions for permanent staff. And uh, I'm surprised Ofsted would even want to step in the building uh, with the you know things things as they are. Um, Charlie, you've been doing a little bit of uh, supply work in Peru recently. I think you wanted to say something about like your experiences there. Yeah, I do. Um, before I do, I want to speak on just like the supply issue as well. Something I didn't come on to before um, is the fact that in the kind of advertisement, the um, sort of propaganda essentially to try and get um, teachers to come back who've left or retired, um, they actually, even on the official website of the government um they are actually like outlining the different agencies like private agencies that you can work for and they completely don't mention the fact that if, if you're uh... new um to to uh working supply you've got no um reason to go through an agency if you actually have a school that you used to work at so they could just mention that all it would take is just like to link to the website is to mention the fact that if you've got some old schools that you really liked working for it's financially so much in your interest and in the interest of the school like the money between the two that would be saved that would make such a difference and not line the supply agency's pockets furthermore like obviously like this is an absolute money like boon for for agencies like they're getting more money than they ever were because they are mm. even though there's a, a you know a lack of supply teachers there's still more of them there ever were that's quite clear um and well i, I say that's quite clear i haven't seen the statistic it just feels very much like they've you know that there are more people who have actually left main teaching and are trying like supply so numbers wise they say you know you can get into that but it feels like there's lots of people who are just sort of trying it as like one avenue to sort of get through the pandemic if they have actually left main t like teaching um but they could they could work directly for the schools and it'd be fantastic and it's just not happening why because like you know we've got, got the the standard is privatization the standard is you yep. know completely it unregulated it wouldn't be that hard is there a legal reason like i know like i know why a labor council wouldn't set up a council-run supply agency that mm. just did it for cost. I know why they don't, because they're just that. But there's any legal reason why they couldn't. Like, if we had a... if they were, Like, say, like, soft, where you've got, like, a left... Or Preston, where you've got, like, a left-led mm. um, Labour council, could, could you yeah. just go, we're going to set up a cooperative... Um, supply agency. No, no, I think legally it's like not not necessarily that it's completely blocked, but it's about putting the toothpaste back on the tube, kind of thing, because um, it's much easier if your particular area has not had most of its schools become multi economy trusts. But if they have, then it's just a much more of an uphill battle. Still undercut. You could still you could still undercut the prices like quite significantly. Yeah. You just have to go to each individual school that you have as part of the um, pool and you have to negotiate with them on an individual basis. So depending on your area and, and how many you, schools you've You start got. with the, the primary schools that are still in local authority trust, for example. Yes. And you automate parts of the process that before... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. I think it's a long process, so I, I think we want to like start going through every step we could imagine mm. it would be. But um, that's the summarise. That I think that... It can happen. We're hoping that will happen yeah. in various areas, including Bristol, I think. But, you know, that's 
there's there's the information is out there but it does take effort there's got to be a a fresh crypto millionaire out there who wants to disrupt the supply teaching industry you know we need a we need a snazzy app we need uh we need some surge pricing yeah uh, buy a big tech company absolutely um, Canelo, I'm just doing gig work though. You just, you just you just do one lesson at a time. You just have like an app on your phone. You're running between schools doing like one thing. It's like, oh, I've got an order for photosynthesis. Yeah. Oh no! Oh, now I'm going to teach kinetic energy. Let's go. It won't be, it won't be long, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually I thought how like teaching worked or lecturers in America they've got to do things like that. Oh god. Yeah. Anyway, that's fun. Uh, but in terms of the other things I've been doing as a supply teacher or as a supply worker, I should say, is working in basically alternative provisions. There's like um, people referral units or even places that are about behavior and um, emotional needs within big, big academies. And it's been bleak, to say the least. Um, I think, yeah, I basically was doing it to find out more about secondary schooling. And, yeah, what I've learned is that the effects of cuts, both within education, I think, wider. Like, you do see that effect of, like, what's obviously happening within social work, what's happening in terms of universal credit. Like, the impacts are stark. Like, children are more emotionally vulnerable than they've ever been. You know, you would imagine that from COVID, but I just feel like, you know, to kind of reiterate, that's something I've definitely seen. It's very clear for the few days I've worked in certain places. Um, And the staff are not prepared to deal with how emotionally traumatised the children are. They're they're used to dealing with behavioural issues that could more just manifest themselves in sort of rage and outbursts, I think. But, like, I had one staff member at a school I worked at um, saying that she's just not used to how much crying that she ends up seeing nowadays. And that's not, yeah, it's just uh, one different manifestation. The fact that, you know, things aren't going well, the kids are feeling awful and, you know. Snowflake generation. <laughs> Snowflake generation. But... So that's all you they said for lunch. That... Yeah. And the complete lack of nutritional food that they also serve and, yeah. <laughs> and the rest. Um, yes. But yeah, it's... It's both been, I don't know, yeah, eye-opening in a sort of positive way, see, like, how we could improve if we wanted to, but also just see that, you know, even the staff that are working there, you kind of, I think, hope if you're not there, you hope that the staff are all well-equipped emotionally themselves and with the training to deal with the kids that they're working with, and it just sort of appears that they're not. And in some of the ones that within... um secondary schools themselves like ones that are big enough to have their own kind of alternative provision on site there's no teachers to be seen there's no structure to be seen and it's kind of yeah is there training for is there a separate pgc for that kind that up for alternative provision is there training for that not to my knowledge hmm even like an m like a yeah, like an MVQ or because it's it's you really special. It's really specialised. Sort of yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people go into it from they either come out of mainstream and go into it, don't they, or they go into it from youth work and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, one teacher who was at the um pupil referral unit who was in the she was the P the PSHE teacher. Um, she said that she'd never worked in a people referral before and that she basically not, was given no training and learned on the job. Like that's in terms of their procedures, in terms of whether or not she should or should not have a radio on her at all times, wow. <laughs> what to do if it all kicked off, where to go. Like, I thought I knew the least. It turned out that I probably knew only, yeah, just a little bit less than her. But also I think part of the fact that it does seem to be like the the way it's going there is there are fewer provisions for uh, or centres for um, like those kind of needs. So therefore what's happening is schools don't want to permanently exclude kids or they don't want to do that because it looks bad for the data. And obviously the data is king. So what they end up doing is setting up these sort of alternative learning provisions within their schools or like maybe an off-site place or on-site or whatever. And they just, oh, we're not going to pex you, but we'll put you in this thing, this programme for two or three weeks, which is essentially just 
normal lessons. It's actually getting a teacher out of like mainstream to come into this thing and basically give her a normal lesson, even though that's part of the fucking problem in the first place. And actually, they that's not what these children need. So part of that is like, it, and you... there's an entire different setup, like you know, that they need, and they just want to treat it like they can just farm out for a bit, kind of palm them off, sort of contain them, and. <sighs> but one problem is like is the the lack of different qualifications that you can do. So schools yeah. are the only really judged on GCSEs and A levels, aren't yeah. they? So there's a few other vocational qualifications that might count towards lead levels. Most of they don't, so they don't chase those. Whereas like kids in a referral unit should be doing something that is less stand at the front, listen to the person talk, write down these boring things. Like there's some really good things you can do. Like I don't, I don't know anyone else has done youth work, but I've done it. They're not the best qualifications in the world, but it's much more like let's do this thing together, we've done it, put it in a folder, do the next yeah. thing. And yeah. you can gradually acquire stuff that kind of meets, yeah. their, meets their needs. But it doesn't, it's not really like that. The, the, the course and the breadth of the qualifications is just not, um, it's not there. I mean, the other thing that happens when kids are, are kicked out of schools is that um, schools within a local authority seem to do a lot of um, backroom deals and trading and horse training. They seem, because you, you get kids who get, get put on a managed move yeah, and they ne- they rarely work, but it just no, seems like schools show I'd say they've seventy percent of them come back. Yeah, they say least. they've done. They say they've done the thing that they need to do. That they're kind of going. They're crossing off like legal things, aren't they? Like we've oh, tried yeah. this, tried this, tried this. But also there is like a bit of swapping going on. It's like oh, this school, we've given them three, so we've got to take three of theirs. And there's all these like weird things because well, yeah, they call they're negotiated just to... transfers. That's literally what they're called. Yeah. The NTs, that's what we say, like negotiated yeah. like that's that's the whole system of where which and Bristol like started doing that actually before like where, when it was still a local authority. It was kind of a I'm pretty sure I'm I, I will actually need to look that up again just in case, but I'm almost certain that that's the case. And that's been a thing that Bristol in particular sort of set up. We had a kid who's really weak and came to our school and he was um He'd already been to like every school in the local authority and kicked out of like most of them. And um he was just really, really troubled and it was clear that he just was it just didn't have the support he needed. Um and it was really difficult. But basically it was like two or three weeks in, he'd already had like a few meltdowns in my lessons, like took the phone that I'd confiscated off him, took it off my back off my desk and then smashed it on the floor in front what? of me. What why did he was just really angry and mad. Yeah, I think yeah, he said something yeah, like yeah, yeah. But- he wow. said something like "fuck your mum" or something, which I had to try and not laugh at. <laughs> oh, what did he, I can't remember what it was. It was funny, um, but then but it was basically like after that like, I got an email that was like, "Now we've just had his file in from all the school because he's right. he's been around the house so much, like his data yeah. and things." He's like, and he's got oppositional defiance disorder, which basically means it's a kind of weird. It's like a kind of type of autism where yeah. you can't if you give someone a direct where someone needs so much control over their situation that you can't tell them to do anything because they'll just do the opposite to stay yeah. in control. It's like, hmm, that would have been really helpful in the first two yeah, weeks. Yeah, if I had known that, that when kids, I yeah, first they just met shuffled the around. Like, to date, you know, no one's ever really got to know him for long enough to get to the bottom of these things. Yeah. Like, he's someone who struggles to build relationships already and then now, like, he's never been anywhere for long enough to build a relationship. Um, that is the problem. It's almost like they... <clears throat> it's really interesting, that, that idea that... There's almost this time scale of relationship forming that's enforced. Like when you, like even just the way that like how's year seven settling in? Like it's almost like there's this sort of, have they made a best friend yet? Have they done this thing? And it's like, whoa, actually we, and that kind of manifests itself in what you're saying with negotiated transfers is that friendships can take a long time to form and, and it takes a long time for a lot of people to be settled in a place. And that, I don't know, like we, it, do we too soon sort of, well, yeah, we do actually, of course we do soon, just to sort of like palm them off and just go, oh, this isn't working, but, you know. Suck your mum, that's what he said. Suck your mum? Yeah. Oh, okay, well, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 obviously I knew the first uh, part of this episode was going to be a little bit downbeat because uh, work's been shit. Uh, but I do want to try and lighten the mood by drawing attention to the fact that there's a lot of comrades and a lot of uh, workers out there who are uh, delivering the goods and actually like, mattering a proper fight back and uh, speaking from the position of a, an education union organiser. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just looking to explore what 
what's possible out there, um, help people who need it and help them to help themselves in terms of fighting back against their bosses. Um, I do want to enjoy the fact that um, trade unionism in the UK is starting to flex its muscles. You know, you've had large, large, big ass billion pound organizations and businesses uh, brought to heel. So, you know, uh, the Tesco's workers, the logistics threatened to strike, uh, got a massive pay rise. I mean, you know, I want to give props to Sharon Graham uh, over in Unite. She seems to be like doing what we're looking to do. Um, but uh, there was a disgraceful fire and rehire strike at Clark's. Uh, they eventually appear to have won that. Um, and uh, yeah, basically, I, I know of a primary school who uh, in September successfully concluded a collective grievance against an executive head teacher who was just weird and shit and all the staff knew it. Uh, then when they told the chair of governors as one, as a collective, uh, this head teacher was given basically the sack. And it's just nice. It's, you know, um, uh, it's always difficult in your own Merry mind. Merry Christmas. Sort of, yeah, it, <laughs> it's always difficult in your own mind to sort of balance. You know what 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 should what should what's right to do and what's possible. Um, COVID is is an obstacle to organizing as much as it is an accelerant. So I've been trying to do like in-school meetings and the poor bloody reps have got COVID. You know that's happened like two or three times in just the last term. Um, there's reasons for hope there, which is why I was bringing in this bit. And I think Nick wanted to talk a little bit about the theme of uh, individual resistance. Yeah, I just kind of pose it because I've been thinking about it um, a bit recently. Obviously, we talk about collectivising action all the time. And that is really important. And it's much more likely that you're going to win. But it's got to start somewhere. So I've just been, I've just been toying around in my head at the moment, kind of thinking of these things a little bit. And trying to think about what you could do if um, no one's listening to you, if like no other member, for example, you've got a union group that are a bit shit or the rep shit, or whatever. What could you do if you don't have like a union presence in in your school, or what can you do if you're told to do something that you know is wrong or, or bad? And actually, I mean, there are there are some things we just have to that you just have to do as an individual. Like we, you know, we're possibly moving into. A, a point in history where not just our government, but governments around the world are becoming more authoritarian. Um, you know, state spending not really going up massively, but they're kind of expecting they're expecting more from people. They're reducing our our freedoms, um, and that's not just an anti-masker thing. Like it's quite clear with what they're doing to protest and things like that. With schools, they've always wanted to make to have you know centrally controlled uh, curricula. They don't like teachers are a bit weird and do their own thing they're not interested in that kind of stuff um so there's got to be some way of fighting back and, and resisting things i've spoken to my other union members you know that you know they'll say to me like oh, i've just, just got so many emails i've got to respond to and i'll say to them just don't respond to them like honestly it's like i'm really really busy i've got all this to do i've got this to do i've got this to do i'm like have you thought you know not even a joke it's like have you thought about just not doing it and they're like, oh, no, but then what if this is? I'm like, right, okay, well, think about this thing. If you don't do it, who's going to have a go at you? Well, f- well, firstly, if you don't do it, are you going to get caught? Secondly, <laughs> if you do get caught, I'm completely, it sounds really flippant, but honestly, we, no, we are our own though. worst enemies and we, we increase our own workload constantly. And I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying like do it in a dangerous situation. I'm not saying like, you know, tell the head teacher to like, swivel or anything like that but the point is there are situations and there will be situations where you can go is anyone going to catch me if i don't do this how bad is it going to be if they do catch me why am i doing it on honestly and like eventually that workload will, will die down like some people i think it's it's different it's different for different people i suspect it's probably worse well. for women if you've got like an extra um role tlr whatever and a lot of them come with a lot of extra admin that you're kind of directly answerable to, like, senior leaders to. Yeah, I'm not and saying this... that becomes a whole other thing. Like, I'm not saying this applies to everything. Yeah. But again, you can push back. Not, not even necessarily, like, don't, don't, don't do it. Like, with emails, if it's really important, they'll email you again. If, if, if there's a parent constantly emailing you about the kids in their class, you know, constantly wanting all this stuff from you that you don't have the time to give to them... Don't give them the time. Yeah. 
don't give them the time. Tell your tell someone more senior than you to knock it back and and stop doing these things and stop doing it. Like honestly, like if you can get away with not doing it, just don't do it. And that's actually quite important. And I think that comes into like when we're talking about like ridiculous things like um, uniform, how tight the girls' uh, yeah, trousers, trousers are. are. Um, which I hate doing. I had so some other stuff. Awesome. What else have I got? Um, so what's for emails, I think. What's for kind of like uniform stuff? Things like, um, we again, we've kept, since COVID, we've kept some like more authoritarian um, round the school kind of systems. Like oh, we, ne- we still line up outside every day. And there's some heads of year who are like telling their tutors that the kids aren't quiet enough. Now, the kids are stood in, like, alphabetical order. Guess what? My tutor group aren't, because I don't care, because yeah. who's going to check? Who's going to check? And if they do check, I'll go, oh, sorry, all right. And then I, and then I just went, honestly, <laughs> anyone that's telling you... Honestly, anyone that's telling you to do something, they should be too busy to care. Yeah, you're they right. They should be too busy to yeah. care. And, you know, so there's all these things. And I, honestly, they're, they're trying, you yeah. know, again, and, and think about what's going to happen. Okay, your tutor group, when they're walking from the, the outside playground to their tutor room in the morning, the kids are talking. Well, yeah, because they're kids. And they're also, why the fuck shouldn't they? This is their only childhood. So, what, that's what like, I'm saying. Why the fuck are we so hell-bent? And not we. They are so hell-bent on denying our children. But if you, this is what like, I'm saying. Be it's, prepared. Be it's pre- actually kind of sadistic but in be, a way. Like, it has that kind of undertone of just control. But like. if you've got a good reason, for, if you're not resisting these things, either as an yeah. individual or a collective, you're playing into them. And this is my point. Don't do the thing that you know is wrong. Yeah. You might get away with it. If you don't, they're gonna management are gonna come to you and you tell them why it's wrong. Yeah. You're a professional. You know what you're talking about. And you say, I am not going to make them yeah. march silently because it's I impossible. So, yeah. It takes up too much mental space and calories, and it is wrong. And you ha- we we do have to be doing this. And that, yes, we should be collectivizing stuff, but if it, if as individuals people aren't pushing back mm. and, and standing their ground against these things, we are fucked. Yeah. yeah. And yes, collective action involves lots of people, but it involves lots of people acting and taking some small risks together. Yeah. Like, to be a rep takes yeah. a small amount of risk and you you take on that risk as an individual, I would say. Yeah. You have a collective thing that builds up and that's more important and that's really important. But you do have to be push, pushing yourself out there as an ordinary member, as a rep, as an officer, as a, as a socialist. You have yeah. to be confronting things and you have to be ready for it because otherwise management don't hear the pushback. They don't hear yeah. the pushback. And yes, it's better coming from the union, but we have to be saying, these things are bullshit. I don't want to hear you just complain about it. I don't want to hear people complain. I want you to tell me, like, you're going to refuse to comply. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you're, when when you're bollocked for it, you bollock them back. Like, honestly. And I know in some schools, it's a much more hostile environment. I know it's much more hostile. Yeah. But in that case, you should be collectivising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's worth it. A few, a few things... Uh, for our primary listeners, they will know that you can't just ignore the mandate for alphabetical order in a primary school because if the kids know that they're supposed to be in alphabetical order and they're not in alphabetical order, that is so exciting for them <laughs> that it sends them crazy. <laughs> We're supposed to be in alphabetical order. And the, and the, and the, the whispers and the thrill... <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, you might as well just hand them all sugar. Um, <laughs> so if you've been mandated after pesco order, most primary schools, you better have to do it. Because it's, is- not, it's not what... No, I know. Oh, I know. I know. I know at the point, like, if you get away with it, you should. It's just it's interesting, the primary schools, the way that the kids are conscious of certain rules uh, it's and and how how they feel about structure, how, what, what level yeah. they are to institutionalise. Um, compared to secondary school kids who've kind of grown up a bit more and kind of got bored of it and and therefore will sort of be in rebellion with their teachers, I think. But also, you know the rules. My point is is more that it's like, you know the rules and you know the job and you are the worker and you are the person that makes the school work and fuck SLT. Yeah. Because if it's not right for the the teachers and the NSAs and the support staff, it's not right. Yeah. And that has to be the bottom line. And yeah. we yeah. have to be it's... resisting stuff constantly, the po- the point... either as individuals or collectively. While I'm joking, I think the point being that it's interesting how sometimes the things that we actually end up being forced to do that we also don't care about is because sometimes the children do police us like they actually do. Like I actually think primary school children do it in a very different way to secondary. But sometimes they do, and you sometimes you end up following rules, not because SLT will ever see, you, but because the kids do. And if like, and it's a weird one because you know, like some kids aren't like that. But if you've got the certain ones that are in your class, it will. It's it's not in your interest to 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 be too much 
you know, oh, no, they can't see because, yeah, because someone can. But um, the other point I was going to uh, make about it um, is that I think that on some level, it's the fact that my NQT year was so hard. Um, even though I was trying my best to do the right thing, um, I felt myself learning the skills of doing, not doing everything you can get away with not doing because it was so bleak. Mm-hmm. It was so, um, yeah, hit every angle, both with the um, administration, the bureaucratic kind of expectations, along with the behaviour stuff, along with learning, along with everything else. So part of being an NQT was learning how to not do, I'm sure we talked about this before, but learning how to work out, yeah, what you could get away with not doing. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right, Nick, but everything, you know, if you've already learned it, then fantastic. If you're new to teaching and you haven't worked out that you need to learn this, that's literally one of your skills. It should be like, I don't know, the ninth of the standards that you should learn is <laughs> yeah. how to get away with not doing things. Um, and for everyone, yeah, who's just still doing too much, then yeah, they should probably work out what extra things they can drop. If you are considering an act of employment disobedience, please contact your union first. Yeah. <laughs> or even better yet, tell your colleagues what you are about to not do or, or refuse just, to or do. Ju- or just refuse to and see and see what happens and then push back and play ignorance. Like, there's so many ways of getting out of it, but, like, but, but we've been conned into this idea. <laughs> we've been conned into this idea that we just have to do everything and that it's best for everyone. And, and that's, uh, yeah, honestly, I think there's those things. Now, I don't, like, yes, look for advice, whatever, but still, you will know the workplace and you will know it but you just have to think and think what I'm not going to do. And I think it's just more like, it's like I've got two cheesy sayings. They're not cheesy, they're actually quite profound, but but quoting someone is cheesy. That That's the thing. Uh, yeah. Especially when one of them is Martin Luther King, but he's got so many good ones. So. Yeah, it's too many fair. bangers. So yeah. one of them is, I, I'm, I paraphrase it, is like, if you can't run, walk, if you can't walk, crawl, but whatever you're doing, keep moving forwards. And yeah. I kind of think that about the left yeah. at the moment. It's so hard and it's so hard oh. in schools. But if you're not resisting and pushing and trying to build something better in some way, you have lost. You have already lost. We've already lost. And you're giving up. If you yeah. if you agree with Ofsted, if you find yourself going, oh, maybe Ofsted's actually really, maybe it's good that we have these guys coming out. You know, you're going to find yourself thinking these things. You're going to find yourself, oh, maybe SLT do work really hard. Like all these, all these ridiculous things. Like we need to be pushing against these things all the time, I think. Um, and it is hard. And the other one is from uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, uh, where he is saying, his one is like, if you see an injustice, you should try and do something about it. And if you can't do something about it, because um, it's so oppressive, you should um, speak up about it. And if you can't speak up about it, because it's even more oppressive, you need to hold that anger in your heart. You need to feel that anger and just not, not ignore <laughs> I it. I wonder what that's like. And it's really, really, uh, yeah, but, that's, but I think, again, that's, it's, that's really important. And we're going to have to look for sources of dignity and hope, um, you know, as, as in certain ways things get, get worse. But like I would say, like it does, you know, yeah, union organising is about collectivising. That's the most important thing. That's where our power lies. But also there is a certain amount of individual responsibility. You've got to go to those union meetings. You've got to um, work with people and do stuff that's a bit risky. You've got to put yourself out there and 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 take some kind of risk. Yeah. And actually, all right, you might lose your job, but they can't fucking recruit enough teachers. They can't fucking recruit enough teachers. If you're in maths and English, do whatever you want, mate. Do whatever you want. They don't have enough people. There's loads of shortage subjects. Like I honestly think, like we shouldn't be so scared. Like I know, I know, and you I'm not. I'm that, not being like, flippant. I'm not being yeah, flippant about people, pay. Yeah. There are there are jobs that I'm not saying. <laughs> strap the nuke to your head and go and headbutt people. <laughs> but I want to bring it into people's perspective. Like they're not going to sack you straight away. Okay. There are ways of protecting your job. Like obviously you need to collectivize. But if no one is prepared to make a risk. We won't. Yeah, we no, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. No, I absolutely agree with you. And I think, but to all those people that are doing even some of it in the mo- more difficult circumstances, like, you know, we live in a city that actually, to be honest, we're quite spoiled for people around us that, you know, have the sort of similar viewpoint or maybe you're, you know, are involved actively in left, dif- like, you know, left-wing organisations and et cetera. And, and so all you people that, like, any of you that are listening that don't exist in those spaces and actually do have to do it in a place where, you know, you are kind of not as saturated with it, then fair play. But also, yeah, I, I think it is you've got to do it, like, keep going because ultimately, and, you know, 
I'm, I'm hoping that, I mean, we, we always say hope things are changing, but I think, you know, a couple of li like little things have happened globally recently, which have, you know, given us a bit of a pep, as it were. Um, so, you know, I think you just got to take those little wins or those little, or those big wins, certainly when whole, you know, nations are voting in left wing, you know, presidents, as it were, like that's, that is something to be celebrated and, and it just goes show that it can happen and hopefully... Hopefully we've got to a point where everyone's so fucked off that a tide might start to turn our way a bit. And I think if we just keep going, as Nick said, that we should, you know, yeah, be right. Yeah, so uh, back to the good news. Uh, the Kellogg's company had to eat shit uh, when it tried to... <laughs> When it tried to, uh, you know, uh, sack all his workers and replace them. Um, uh, there was another, oh, um, well, so they're managing to start unionizing a few Starbucks branches, uh, which is, they really tried to lay it on thick with the uh, Pinkertons and the anti-union people. There was an education example I had on the tip of my tongue. Uh, UCU strikes. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, uh, fair play to uh, the UCU. They've obviously been facing a pretty um, uh, astounding attack upon their uh, fucking contracts and pensions and shit. Um, they've been organising the fuck out of it. They've been meeting the legal, busting the legal yeah. thresholds yeah. for uh, for ballots and that. And that is bloody hard work. And uh, I wish them every success with what's coming. Yes, absolutely. I think is that have we done. Oh, we let's do the predictions for January and uh, 2022. Oh, are we doing that? Are we? Yeah. Okay. We're... I'm going to let everyone else go first. <laughs> so I predict that a ragtag bunch of well-meaning but slightly useless retirees, a little bit like Dad's Army, but for supply teachers, <laughs> will, will, will turn up and they will uh, kick us out of, their, out of our jobs. Um, there'll be some like cute old men that always need to go to the toilet. Um, there'll be some kind of spiv guy. He can just work for SLT. Even the even the nice <laughs> some guy, some guy with PTSD who keeps saying racist things. <laughs> I don't know. That's Jonesy. From, did you did you watch Dad's Army? I, I did. Well, yeah. I know. I think those people, if they're not ready for what's facing them in terms of just like like any school that's already had so much absence is already on a just on edge and it i think they won't be prepared when they'll get eaten alive i've or just heard just on. Just <laughs> or just within, the, within the first yeah, hour within the first lesson a kid will literally yeah. cough or sneeze on them you got a one in 32 chance that one of the kids in the room will just do it by accident <laughs> what we haven't discussed is how much safer i mean i don't know when you guys got your co2 monitors but mine came in november you got a uh, CO2 monitor? Yeah, it's it's funny though. Do you not have you got one? Uh, it's like, I've no. seen one installed in yeah, the office. It took a while for them to appear and then it sits on the wall. And this is the only protection that the Tories gave us to go back in in September. Like literally it. CO2 monitors for every classroom. They've taken months to get here. You apparently still don't have yours. Mine says like 400 or 500. There's no other kids in the room. I've probably got PPM, the I've got yeah. the biggest No PPB. Yeah. That many carbons, whatever. Yeah. It is. Um, and um, the so I've got like a big classroom, well ventilated. The second there's any kids in there, it goes really high, like to kind of eight hundred. And if I have two lessons like back to back, which is most of the time, uh, it goes over a thousand. Now I've I managed to get this put in a place in the room where the kids don't look at it because I know they'd see yeah. the kind of orange and amber lights and be like, oh, we should do something. So it's amazing. It's just it just proves that like the tour. It's the same with the retiree teacher army dad's army thing. Um, is that with all the Tories policies, they're not designed to help. They're not designed to make the problem go away. They're not designed to make solutions. They're designed to so that they have a minister has something to say when a journalist yeah, asks absolutely. them an easy question and they can bat it away. What are you doing about the mitigations of school? We're going to provide everyone with a CO2 monitor. It's the cheapest thing they can do that, that means they have to do absolutely nothing. Now, yeah. what do you do if your CO2 monitor goes over a certain number? Uh, Nothing. I don't know. Open the windows more. The windows far. are open. Have you tried breathing less? Yeah, it's really. Someone goes around and notes them down every day, but it's like, what's that even? What's that even do? Well, no, what we're saying now is that we need the air purifiers. The last I heard on that is that they seem to be trying to get a contract with Dyson, so you could have a Dyson air purifier. Oh well, made by James be like, Dyson. Yeah, they'd be like, six, like moved his um, production yeah, yeah, yeah. up the UK. They'd be like six times more expensive, but that like guy. it would. 
be quite good for any cabinet minister who then wants a job with Dyson when they when they leave office. When Keir Starmer romps to a two hundred yeah, seat yeah. majority, obviously, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if they do actually buy a Dyson for every classroom, that will be proof that they could just they still have the capacity to do nationalised public service. They just every hour of every day choose not to yeah, <laughs> no, if it was no. that exactly. simple to actually get a Dyson for every classroom I'd just be amazed if they pulled it off Like the, it'd be like the chutzpah on this <laughs> it's just going to be a Henry Hoover like taped to the door to the window outside isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that just whirring constantly throughout the lesson schools, like... <laughs> I mean look uh, I guess we shouldn't be surprised because I remember I've been in schools where the heating has failed, and the uh, the measure to keep the school warm is having these portable gas heaters that give everyone carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> so I guess you know I, I, we shouldn't be too surprised about the present government's approach to atmosphere. Um, fucking hell! It's, it's it's when you're stood in front of a class and you're like, there are so few situations in which this would be legally allowed, you know. And I'm sure we're heading back into, uh, well, again, I'm not going to make any predictions. That was going to yeah, be my yeah. prediction. What was your That's prediction, why I was going to go last because yeah, I, in fact, do not <laughs> have a prediction. Um, Lauren, did you have any thoughts about what January will be like? Um, I reckon no. I actually don't think they're going to be a lockdown. I was thinking there'd be like a two-week circuit breaker, as it were, in inverted commas. Actually, I think they will, because I think I read... No, I did read earlier that we've surpassed 100,000 new infections in one day, mm. which I think is a record now. So I think post-Christmas... Yeah, England, England... Anyway, yeah, so it's going to be, um, I reckon, post-Christmas lockdown, circuit breaker, two weeks. Well, I am going to repeat what I just said and say that um, the difference between me this year compared to me last year is that last year I was a strung out mess. Now, obviously, uh, <laughs> having been completely having been completely fucked up by COVID and pneumonia and every breath felt like I was being stabbed in the back, I was probably forgiven for being a little on edge. And I'm still scared as goddamn hell. But one thing I'm done with right now, guys, is, is trying to crystal ball what the fuck is about to happen because yeah. one thing that has remained the same for a long time now is that if anyone's calling the shots, it's COVID. So, you know, yeah. hats off to COVID. Uh, you're really you're really impressing everyone with your longevity. People thought, you know, people thought you were done in this town. But guess who's back? <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, fucking so hell. We've just got... It's, it's, the, the, the days of the Chad COVID is over, though, isn't it? It's just the virgin COVID. <laughs> Um, did we have an outstanding? I'm think I'm pretty. I remember one of us discussing what an outstanding. No, is it? I can't tell that story. Yeah. Oh, my prediction. Um. Well, I mean, I guess it would depend with my prediction about how the NHS fares, because obviously there's been some like scary warnings about how that they might have serious serious issues. I mean. You say the word collapse, like the NHS collapse, like as if it wasn't already, and if you can never see it, there's no. It's it's such a slow moving thing that you can never pin your um, a complete date to when things went one way or another. Yeah. But uh, they're saying things about staff shortages that's very similar to what they're saying basically about um, schools. But whereas if there's not enough uh, teachers in schools, then they quietly send the groups home, and they've already been doing that. And they've been doing the sort of quiet techniques they've um, that they've already employed for NHS staff. But if it gets to a certain point where genuinely it starts to become noticeable, even to the people who aren't regularly going to the hospital, how yeah few staff there are and how overworked the ones that are still there are, I would say that that's about the point a little bit later down the line that you'd see the same issues with sheer staff shortages that you couldn't even like, yeah, shove under the rug with teachers and general educators as well what they would do next yeah i couldn't predict that bit but that's a fear i have i'm not saying it's even a prediction but a fear i have is that we could get to that point um because obviously that's even worse than what we're looking at now where most schools are having to send year groups home which is the other thing they either do the bulge classes or they send year groups home um yeah and what happens next after that could be forced lockdown that they don't even get to choose a very late lockdown so always the messiest always go the longest yeah i hope for not that but if it, if it gets to that sort of absolute crashing into the ground moment then they don't really get to pick what they do next it's not really a decision it's it's just a reaction yeah 
But they're uh, talking about doing the kind of making spare bed room for hospitals in car parks and things. That's 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 the last thing. It's been. But as again, it's their typical thing. They they'll leak something to the press. They'll see what the reaction is, and then they go back and discuss whether they're going to do it or not. And that was really weird. Cause again, it's like it ticks their box for like wanting a certain kind of macho thing. Like they kind of send the army in. We'll create this all these other things. And it's like, well, you could just get around it by doing these other things, like you know, sick pay and um, you know, air purifiers in schools and all these other things. But they're not glamorous enough. They don't. They don't win the the propaganda war for them. They don't sound snazzy in a in an interview with a journalist. All journalists are pathetic anyway, but <laughs> um, and don't really challenge things. But I don't know. I think it's gonna be bleak first couple of months back. I think it's gonna be bleak because we're just gonna be in that capitalist realist mode again, where work is prioritised and yeah. having a life is not. Yeah. And it's gonna be dark and it's gonna be cold. It's not going to be as bad as January and February last year. No, but that was pretty. That is pretty hard to be as bad as that. Yeah, it's not going to be as bad as that. We're going to be in school. It's going to be mad. But I don't know. Every every chaotic thing that happens in schools, I just think it kind of shows how stupid the exam system is. Like for me, like well, when the chaos yeah. happens, I'm like, again, I'm not going to be forced to care about the results. But I, you know, we are going to be forced to do the exams. You know, like yeah. that's my oh, concern. Oh yes, we are. Um, is that they'll do, they'll make the teachers do the assessment again, but with an even bigger sort of Damocles hanging over us, and even less take home pay. You know. But then we should just not do it. Hundreds of hours of labour. <laughs> we should just not do it. We're just so there's there's a school near us which is kind of notorious for having like a quite high workload. Um, I think for a while this kind of staff were proud of it. Like people I know that have been have been on placement, they all worked there. It's like staff get in at seven and leave at seven, uh, and and work really hard, and they get pretty good results. That seems like quite a good school and things. Um, but recently, staff have just decided they just had enough, and um, some of the reps came to us at an event we did, um, and they were saying basically like, what should we do about it? Like we're not even there, like specific organized people they would go to in the union structures but they just knew that we'd give the hardest possible advice we basically knew that whatever we said would be the most like yeah the most like the craziest but the most likely to work and so we just told them the kind of jay mcalevy strike school things um and they've done it and like you know in a school that's not had like a particularly strong union culture before where like workload has got to a level which is just unsustainable they wrote um motions they wrote a motion with like uh you know it's like a structure test where they had like here's these five demands or however many demands they wanted and they're like management needs to give us at least four of these you know quite a clever way of doing it like we want all these things we will settle for yeah, a few yeah. Years, which ones you're going to give us and they've gone and they did a whole thing of they did the public so they did the, they did the workplace petition so they had here's the Here's the things, and they had the one-to-one conversations with every member of staff. They got on their WhatsApp group. They had every time someone had signed it, they're supposed to like say that they've say that they've signed it. They put their name publicly to this thing. You release the names when you get fifty percent, you know, thumbs up in the WhatsApp group, and they managed to do it. And then they managed to have an indicative ballot, like really high turn turn uh, turnout, really high yes votes, and yeah, they're into the next phase of negotiation now. Um, but again, like, yeah, they're doing it. It's it's doable. It's possible. Yeah. You don't have to accept these things. Um, there are methods that work. That is a way of resisting these things. And it's not just the job. If people go, oh, yeah, work me hard. Yeah. Oh, that's just the job, isn't it? It hasn't always been. It doesn't need to be. We don't have to accept the stuff that is bad. And there's so much, like, dignity in actually standing up for what you know is going to make things right. better for <laughs> for staff and for students. And you just yeah. should practice arguing that point rather than just being like, okay, I'll do this thing that I think is completely pointless all day, every day. Hear, hear. And that's uh, Nick's Christmas message. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, guys, uh, I am going to wrap things up at this precise point, um, you know, speaking in a personal capacity. As much as I try to be optimistic and uh, I'm certainly opportunistic when it comes uh, to trade union organizing, uh, just well done to everyone listening uh, and everyone present for making it this far. Uh, I do believe survival is definitely a form of resistance in such times. <laughs> so even if you haven't managed to get your bosses sacked yet, uh, there's still hope. And... Uh, <laughs> As long as you got skin, as long as you got skin in the game, you're in the game. So, um, uh, without further ado, I'm going to invite our um, hosts to either give a final contribution or say goodbye. Nick, um, yeah, goodbye. See you next year. Well, depending on when you listen to this, I don't think it should be too seasonal. But never mind. Anyway, whatever. Have a nice time. We'll have an average time. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> Or welcome to January. Yeah, yeah. It was so much worse than we thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seasons, greetings, whatever you whatever season you're in. <laughs> so we are po- post winter, post winter equinox, but pre Christmas. For anyone wondering about when. Um. Yeah. Bye. Um. Nice one, everyone. Keep going. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to say goodbye for myself, but uh, obviously, welcome. No, you've been listening to Requires. And- <laughs> Let's give that one another. Welcome, welcome to, to Requires. Oh. Welcome to the outro. Going to spit some bars for you to take you home. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you've been listening to Requires Improvement and uh, if you liked what you heard, if you're a fan of the show, please do reach out to us. We are available on Twitter, which is at RequiresPod, uh, but you can find us on most of the normal podcast platforms. Uh, if you listen to us on one of these other platforms other than SoundCloud, we'd really like to hear from you because uh, we're still having trouble accessing any of our listener stats. So it could be it could be hundreds of you, it could be thousands. Please let, please let us know. Uh, uh, but obviously, um, if you like what you hear, give us a like and a subscribe. But uh, I'm going to sign off now in a way that will ensure future ones of these will be pre-recorded to, to keep the quality high. Uh, have a have a nice holidays and catch on the flip side. Bye. Bye.